look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popovich. How you doing, buddy? Happy New Year. I'm great. I, oh, I'm happy because the kids are going back to school. Yeah, that does take a bit of the pressure off, doesn't it? So uh, this week, being a being a parent slash teacher slash working slash whatever else I do Everything in my life, else, yep. I learned how to be the best type of teacher. Oh, do you ready? Tell. Do okay. tell. So every morning, mm-hmm. and you pick random times. Mm-hmm. Just put your kids outside for 15 minutes. They're going to go, what are you doing? Oh, it's fire drill. Just stay outside for 15 minutes. <laughs> Gives you a bit of a break. Yeah. And you bring them back in. They warm up. They go back to school. <laughs> oh, boy. For all the teachers listening, disregard everything you just said. <laughs> all right. That's <laughs> not a bad strategy, though. I think I'll make a call. 15 minutes only. Yeah. I'm not saying leave them there the whole morning. Yeah, like, yeah, it's... sure. Do you give them boots at least to put on? It's a fire drill. They have to grab <laughs> their stuff and run. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, not sure how to uh, even respond to that. Okay, Good so preparenting tips, please yeah. send it to Faisal at <laughs> yeah. morethanmoneyradio.com. I'd, I look forward to understanding how to do this whole work, parent from teach from home kind of program. Okay, aside from <laughs> your really wonderful ideas, we've got a really cool show today. Uh, because, you know, lots of people are under pressure. We're starting the new year off. Um, and guess what? Kids have been at home, as you've said. We've got uh, parents that have been locked in, we're trying to take care of, and you're trying to work from home and manage all this stuff. Uh, we need a reminder. We have to take a breath every once in a while and think about how do we balance all this stuff and keep ourselves sane, Yeah. right? Because there's an end line here. We're getting there. So we just got to get to the finish line here and everybody, you know, keep their mental health and balance it all out. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Yeah, we're, we're discussing about, you know, something that a lot of politicians in this country are exploring about traveling abroad. <laughs> um, we're, we're, if you want to retire abroad, yep. what are some of the best places to go to? And it's not just the weather. But we're talking about healthcare, sure. access to the country, taxes, all that stuff that people think about when they want to live abroad. I think they've been staying at home in this city for too long. They want to kind of uh, go out there. So we're going to talk to International Living about the best places to live when you retire in 2021. Yep, sounds good. Uh, let's talk about history because history was made this week. Uh, we want to talk about the markets. Um, an unbelievable uh, set of events uh, that we, we all witnessed uh, this week with the storming of the U.S. Capitol building. And, mm-hmm. uh, incredible. Markets didn't react to that phase. we got to talk about markets in light of this historical event that took place. So there was a big historic event, like you mentioned. Um, people will be talking about it for a very long time. And markets didn't even move to the negative side. There was no fear. Right. They weren't like, uh-oh, this is going to really impact. It, it caught me off guard because I thought there'd be enough day traders that would swing the market to that negative piece, but it didn't happen. It took a bit of shine off the trade in the late afternoon on the day it happened, but the fact of the matter is that wasn't the big market story this week. It was a historic event to watch happen, but it wasn't the big market event. The big market event was the two Senate win- seat wins in Georgia. Yeah. Right, because that effectively gives the Democrats now control of the Senate. They have control of the House. So now they control Congress and the White House market is now starting to price in more stimulus. And what was interesting about that whole time, they get confirmation that yep. it's a blue wave. They're yep. calling it a blue wave. Energy stocks take off. That's right. What what happened to Biden's going to shut down all these oil and gas companies and they're all going to go to zero? Why didn't the stock market react to that? Right. And remember, 
Taxes could be going higher too. Yep. Markets are going to crash. So everything that we had fear over mm -hmm. uh, about the Biden administration has been kind of ignored right now. Yep. Yep. And listen, those policies may still come into effect. We've got to see it. But what were we, what were we talking about, particularly with clients, as they were, you know, terrified ahead of the election result? That if a, if a Democratic win did take place, all these horrible things were going to happen. Yeah, what, what we kind of forgot about with, between the election and what could happen to the, the economy is this thing called the pandemic. Right. He, he has to figure this out. There are more people dying a day in the United States than, than they were that died in 9-11. Right. Think about that. Like that's, that's every day. Th yeah. Every day. Every day. I know. That's that's an impact to that, and so when you have that kind of stuff happening, you gotta you gotta make sure that you can roll out the enough of these this vaccine. Whatever's happening in the U.S. for a rollout is happening here in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like we've got everything figured out and the Americans are the anomaly. Right. Every country is having a logistics problem. Except for Israel, we're slower than the no, U.S. No, Israel's just leading. Yeah. That doesn't mean that they've got it figured out. No, there's a logistics problem. They are crushing it. We're worse than the U.S. So if you think the U.S. is doing a bad job, it's slower in Canada than it is in the U.S. The point is that every single nation, including the one who somebody has to lead in the amount of vaccines that are being administered, mm -hmm. but it's still a logistics nightmare. Of course it is. In Absolutely. every country. Everywhere. Absolutely. So that's what we got to fix first. You right. can't talk about, let's put a whole bunch of infrastructure in green and get away from oil and gas when you have everybody still locked up. Right. And, and again, econ that's right, economy shutting down again. Yes, it's just it's, it's been an amazing historic week in so many respects. But from a market perspective, like you, I've had conversations where people are surprised. Yeah. They're surprised that this is happening. And, um, you know, what we've talked about for a long time is, is there is no one single event, right? Markets can react sharply to news on a given day. But there's way more than one lever in any given circumstance. Correct. Right? And so that's why we're always talking about the, 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 the probabilities. Now, there's lots of things that happened this week. And, you know, tech was expected to be a disaster again because of the Biden administration. <laughs> and tech has still performed well. And the whole nine yards. It's funny how we think tech is going to get destroyed, but um, cannabis is going to be legal across the country. No problem. Right. Interesting. Right. Interesting, you know, extreme thoughts. Yep. Right. Um, so I, I think it comes back down to if you've got good companies, with good management that can weather political technological and circumstantial economic issues. Those are the companies you should be investing in. Yeah. Yes. All times during any given um, set of conditions, those, uh, those will perform well. Okay. Um, you know, the, it, it does appear that, uh, that uh, President Trump's being isolated. So um, there is some risk over the next couple of weeks. You know, if you, if you look at the markets and the pandemic, as you said, and the logistics of rolling out the vaccinations, these are the kinds of things that are going to create uh, potential risks in the short term and volatility in the short term. And so be cognizant of those things, right? Uh, but with all the stimulus coming, the market is, the market is essentially suggesting, and we're seeing bond yields move higher on anticipation, that, thing, that economics are going to pick up. Inflation is going to start picking up mm -hmm. because of all the stimulus. Mm -hmm. So... You know, just make sure that you're thinking past just the headlines Correct. as you're positioning your portfolio as you uh, as you move throughout the, uh, you know, the course of this Correct. year. Can we can we remind everybody about our, our <clears throat> bet that you and I have going on? Which one? When <laughs> when we open up again and we're allowed to have a steak dinner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So for those of you listening, here's the bet. 
Mr. Popovich here is betting me a steak dinner on the fact that we'll be able to roll out the vaccine to the public by the summertime. End of June is what I said. End of June. Yeah. I have said we're going into October, November. Right. At the earliest. Right. You he actually said September, so he's pushing a little no, bit. Oh, Andrew said September. Okay. I said right. October, November. All it doesn't right. matter. Okay. Even if I'm September, I'm still after you. Price is <laughs> right says I win. <laughs> the question is, have you changed your mind? You nope. want to, you're still, you have that much faith in the logistics. We're going to have everything rolled out to the public by, by stampede. Yeah, I do. Uh, there's going to be mounting pressure. They're going to get. They're going to mobilize all the resources, and we're going to have multiple vaccines coming up. More and more vaccines all the time. All right. For those of you who mm-hmm. want to get in on this wager, uh, who would you who would you side with, Mr. Popovich, Dave? Would you think Dave thinks uh, it's going to be all rolled out by uh, before July 1st? And when you say all rolled out, let me clarify what that means. Oh, I said go. everybody that wants access to a vaccine, because there's a go. bunch of people that don't, will have access. To receive that vaccine by the end of June. Here we go. Any yeah. other any other changes to your to your? Well, bet? I don't know. Are you still September this year? Or are you saying October of next year? No, I'm saying October, <laughs> November of this year. Where did you get next year from? I'm not saying you can force people to do it. I'm saying anybody no, that agree. wants access to it will have access and to I'm be immunized by the end of June. If that's the benchmark, it's happening in in the fall. It'll get closer to Halloween than it will to the stampede. No. All right. I'd love to hear from all of you out there. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com. Send us your notes on. Who do you think is right? Popovich is saying uh, by by July 1st. I'm saying before Halloween. Uh, who would you put your money on? Who should Who's going to win that steak dinner? Who's love your to horse? Hear from. That's right. Pick your horse. And again, that's reach out to us. Info at morethanmoneyradio.com. We're going to talk about on how to bulletproof that retirement on Tuesday, January 19th, 7 p.m. Live online. You need to register. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Fantastic guest coming up after the break. You're talking about, you know, you're dealing with individuals and caring for them while you're balancing your work. Maybe you've got your kids that you've got to deal with. Balancing work and this challenge of caring for elders in this COVID crisis. Let's give you some tips after the break. You're with Dave and Faisal on More Than Money on 770 CHQR. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR. And Happy New Year to everybody again. Uh, happy to be back in this. And, but you know what, Faisal? Um, we've been now locked down again for a bit. Mm-hmm. You and I have kids. We've had kids at home. Managing that balance between work and, uh, and you know, personal life and stuff, I don't know about for you, but it's getting challenging. It, it is getting challenging. And I'll kind of tell you a bit about my personal circumstance. So I've got kids, and I've got a parent who's living on his own yep. away from my home, so I can and he's across the city, so we're limited in connectivity they're, they're seeing him um I, I i always think about the individuals who have to take care of their their elderly family members at a time like this right either in the same home or in a different home what's the what's how do you manage all that and not to forget about yourself mm. because Good when point. it comes times like this we focus all of our attention on others because we have to care for them we kind of forget ourselves. So let's let's get some tips and ideas to help individuals go through this pandemic. How can they manage, especially their elderly parents or loved ones, so they can get through this whole pandemic? Yeah, and I don't think it's a unique experience, Faisal, that we're having. So let's uh, let's bring on Debbie Franchuk. She's a registered nurse, nurse and the co-owner of Home Instead here in Calgary. Debbie, welcome to the show. Well, thanks very much for having me. All right, so do tell, uh, are Faisal and I in weird and unique positions, or is this much, you know, is this kind of a broad-based problem we're facing right now? 
I think you're like many Calgarians out there and many people across the country that are dealing with this pandemic and trying to just balance life, kids, uh, that so-called sandwich generation where Mm -hmm. we're looking after our elderly parents as well. And not all of them uh, are close to us either, but the pandemic is making it even harder to do that. Even if they live across the city with all these lockdowns, we, we worry about them. And so it's a very realistic concern for a lot of people. Well, let's talk about some tips then, um, uh, some ideas that you've got that you um, you can offer to listeners if you know they're in this situation, to Faisal and I in this situation, about how you might actually balance that for yourself and for your loved ones. Well, I think it's first and foremost very important for you to be realistic uh, about what you can manage. I think that parents are looking at things, as you said, Faisal, um, never did you think that you were going to be the teacher for your children, that now you're having to do that. Um, And I think for those people that are not inherent caregivers, they don't know what to do. So they're looking for options and they're trying to say, how do I keep my loved ones safe where they are, keep my own family safe, and keep myself seen uh, during all of this pressure that they're feeling. So first thing is be realistic. You might have the best intentions for trying to do it all, but it's important to consider what's manageable for you. So uh, your needs as well need to be a part of that picture. You have to take time for yourself because if you're not well, you can't look after anybody else. Um, so look after yourself first and foremost. Take a time to exercise. We hear that from our physicians all the time. You know, go for a walk. Um, you know, take a, take a break for you. Do what brings you joy because then you are ready and more able to care for your loved one. Um, reach out for help. There are lots of uh, options for you. Home Instead is one of those options where we provide professional caregivers who Mm -hmm. do go in and take care of some of those needs that your loved one has. Um, If you're working at home, uh, be transparent with your employer. Let them know what your situation is and that it's a maybe a difficult discussion, um, but, you know, maybe you're not alone and they might be able to offer you supports as well. And then I think just have a backup plan uh, and be, you know, forgiving to yourself. If you're not able to meet all those needs, it's not a weakness. Uh, to reach out for help. Um, So those are some of the first tips that I can give you. Debbie, I have family members across this country who are caring for their parents. Their parents, in some way, have said, I hope you care for me when I get older. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so then my cousins or whoever are like, okay, I got to take care of them. And they don't hire companies like yours. They want to do it themselves. And I keep on asking, saying, your parents want them to be cared for. They didn't say they have to be cared for by you all the time. What, what do you think are some of the reasons why individuals do not use your services? Well, I think there's one is the unknown that there actually are services out there. And so they think that it falls on them, that they're the only people that are left uh, to be able to do that caregiving. Um, I think there's a lot of guilt out there. Um, it's like, well, I should be able to do this. I should be able to manage all of my own personal stuff plus everybody else's. And I think that that's an, an epic fail for some people. Um, The other side of the coin is some parents don't want their children doing that kind of hands-on personal care that we do do as professional caregivers. Um, They still want to maintain their dignity and and that respect, and we can give that to them uh, when we send in professional caregivers to help that. I I think that families, um, one, don't know their options, and two, feel that they should be able to manage it, and they've never done this before, so it's that big unknown of what caregiving actually entails and it can be a lot to care for someone 
Debbie, there's a lot of fear of this whole pandemic mm-hmm. and individuals saying, if I open my home to a, to a company like yours, I am making even a higher risk of, of contracting the, pan, the, the virus and so forth. What precautions does your company take when, when you're going in and out of a home? That is an awesome question. So we are an essential service. So we follow all of the CDC guidelines in terms of infection prevention. And we have since um, the inception of our company. Um, that's been a normal thing for me to transcend that to our caregivers because infection prevention, whether it's COVID, the common flu, whatever viruses are out there, it's important for caregivers to know that. So that's always been a part of it. It's been heightened by COVID because the population now is aware of that. So all of our caregivers are trained in PPE, personal protective equipment. Uh, First and foremost, hand washing. That is the key. We see hand sanitizers and soap everywhere. That's the key to keeping this virus under control. All of our caregivers wear continuous masks um, and procedure masks when they present out of their car going into the home. None of our caregivers go in with any types of symptoms. So they have, um, we have technology that protects the caregivers in the sense that they must clock in and tell us what if they have any symptoms and they are not to enter anywhere. Um, We also screen our clients, too, because families sometimes don't know that their loved one is sick or, you know, they have a symptom. And so we're that protective mechanism as well to be able to get the clients actually tested sooner uh, rather than sitting and not knowing that they potentially have COVID. All of our caregivers are equipped with the proper equipment to go in. They also wear face shields so that um, there is limited exposure to the client. We allow our clients to mask as well because if they feel more comfortable that way, that's a protective mechanism emotionally and physically for them. So we are highly trained professional caregivers uh, that follow all of the guidelines. These are good points that if yeah. anybody is listening to this segment should write down exactly what Debbie just said so that when they're interviewing the companies, what's the protocol for not only COVID but for any other yeah. infections and, and, and symptoms that may come up? That's a great piece to, to have. So I think that's like a, a questionnaire checklist that some people should actually do. Yeah. Right, and they don't actually know the questions to ask. Family members, they're not healthcare professionals. Um, Our organization uh, here in Calgary is run by a nurse, so we know exactly what needs to be asked, but you're right, the customer or the consumer doesn't know what to ask. Those are things you definitely need to know, and it's great to operate with a company because you know that we have all of that backing us up as opposed to a private individual uh, that may be just going into the home. You have no protection mechanisms that way. Right. Debbie, thank you very much for your time today and and helping, one, bringing awareness to the fact that there is help, and two, as Faisal said, giving some idea of what you should be asking about if you're you're thinking about bringing somebody into the home. Thanks for your time. Uh, You're very, very welcome, and I just ask your readers and your listeners that if they need help, please, we're just a phone call away. Um, Check us out at Home Instead Calgary. Terrific. Debbie Franchuk, um, she's a registered nurse. She's also the co-owner of Home Instead here in Calgary. Faisal, the pandemic has brought to light two things the health bucket as we call it and this whole notion of lifestyle yeah. right two really really important things sort of jammed together we have to talk about how to balance all of those things right? when you're worrying about the quality of care you're going to have as you age and how you're going to pay for it having a strategy in place a discipline towards reaching all these goals we call them buckets but they are goals at the end of the day we're going to talk about this on how to bulletproof that retirement 
on Tuesday, January 19th, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. You want to get out of the cold? Are you thinking about retiring somewhere sunny? Well, stick around because we're going to talk about the best places in the world to retire after the break. You're on 770 CHQR in More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR in More Than Money. Okay, we've all been trapped in our homes. It hasn't been particularly cold this year, but people are getting tired of the winter. And I've had lots of conversations with people. Where can I retire to? Where's the best place Get me out of here. Get me out of here. Like, calm down. You just can't go anywhere. <laughs> this is why we have magazines, experts, and research done on the top 10 places to retire with the Global Retirement Index uh, by International Living. They do this every year, and I love what they do. I'm going to give them a suggestion, Dave. Okay. I'm going to say, give us the bottom 10, not just the top 10, because mm-hmm. I'm planning for your retirement. And I want to send you to the bottom ten. I'm thinking it's Siberia leads the list. I don't know. You think so? Siberia. I don't know what their health care is like, but I do know their weather's not very good. I don't okay, think let's... they have health care. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know. even know. That's a good question. I don't know either. Antarctica. Dan Preshner, who's been with us before, is back. Senior editor, internationalliving.com, and the International Living Guide to Retiring Overseas on a Budget. Wow. Um, fantastic stuff, Dan. Welcome back to the show. Let's talk thanks, a little guys, bit about. For me. Yeah, let's talk about where the best places are to retire in 2021. I'm I'm curious, uh, sort of the top three or four on your list. Top three or four. Number one is Costa Rica, a perennial favorite. Then followed by Panama, Mexico, Colombia, and Portugal are are European entrant. Those are the top five right now. So any of those will probably do your uh, do you right. Yeah, no doubt. Why why do they make so? What makes the top of the list? The, we've got a bunch of categories, and we, we rate these places as far as housing, benefits and discounts, visas and residents, fitting in, development, climate, all important, health care, incredibly important as, as well, and three other categories, including cost of living. So we crunch the numbers, we find out what the totals are, and whoever comes out on the top of all those numbers wins the list. And Costa Rica wins this year with an average ranking of 85.2 in all those categories. Dan, what changed to push them into number one? Because I don't think when we did this with you last year, they were number one. No, they weren't. Actually, Portugal was number one yeah. last year. They recently changed their uh, tax scheme so that now expats have to pay more taxes. They had a golden visa program where if you bought a bunch of property at a certain price, you'd automatically get a resident visa. Well, they quit doing that because it became uh, a little cost prohibitive and everybody was buying luxury Lisbon condos. So it wasn't working out the way they wanted it to, so they changed that. That dropped them in the rankings, but it's still a beautiful place to live. And then Costa Rica, so it was second last year. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. It's a a perennial favorite, and uh, we had to factor in how these countries did with COVID. It's a retirement index. Hmm. It's long-term. It's not just a place where people did great handling COVID, but you have to factor that in because that plays into health care. That plays into governance. Uh, So Costa Rica did a good job, and it boosted them in the rankings this year. Dan, give us our listeners a bit of an idea of what does it cost to have a typical lifestyle? I know you're in Nebraska right now, um, locked in there. We're up here in Canada. There's a certain standard of living that we're accustomed to. If we want a similar standard of living in Costa Rica, Panama, Mexico, your top three picks. Um, what, what are we looking at it from a cost perspective? When we do these indexes, we're looking at uh, somebody 
with a retirement income, probably a fixed income, maybe a Social Security. We'd like to keep it at 2000 U.S., 2500 U.S. a month or under. You can get a high-quality, very, uh, very acceptable lifestyle, not giving up anything in medical care or amenities for 2500 bucks U.S. or less a month. And all of these places qualify. When you look at Costa Rica, Panama, Mexico, is there anything between those three that that's unique that attracts North Americans to come to versus the other two? What's most sure. attractive? Yeah. Panama, Panama has been dealing with North Americans for a century with the Panama Canal, so it's really easy to fit in. If that's what you want, Panama is your best bet. More North Americans have second homes in Mexico than any other place on the planet. It's affordable. It's right next door. Everybody can speak a little Spanish. That's why Mexico always places. And Costa Rica hasn't had a standing army, I don't think, since the 1950s. Almost 100% literacy and almost 100% carbon neutral. So if those are high on your list, Costa Rica is your best bet. You just pick the things that mean the most to you and, and make the determination with the rankings on the Global Retirement Index and start doing your research from there. When, when you look at the cities, and I'm more familiar with Mexico than I am with Panama and Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. We're seeing more and more um, North Americans go outside of the key tourist destination yeah. areas into smaller towns, uh, more gated communities, so on and so forth. Is that the trend in the other two countries? And, and where in Mexico do you think are the best places for newly retired individuals to go to? Oftentimes, that is the situation. You get off the beaten track, you get out of the larger metropolitan areas, your costs go down. I mean, that holds true in France and in Ireland, not just in Mexico or the rest of Latin America. But Susan and I have loved Merida in the Yucatan for years and years. And it's a big enough metropolitan area that it's got one of everything, but the costs are still low. It's a well-run town beautifully maintained, uh, very peaceful, very quiet, very safe. It gets really hot in the summer, but if you never want to shovel snow again, it should be at the top of your list. (laughs) You just had to do that, didn't you? Of course, of course. So, Dan, it all sounds exciting. Everybody wants what you just described, but there are some things that you need to consider and, and think about before you just pick up and leave. Why don't you walk us through a little bit about what people should be thinking about before they make this wholesale change. Absolutely. Uh, These countries are their own places with their own histories, their own economies, their own ways of doing things. The rest of the world is not North America light. It's not just like living in Canada or the United States at half the cost. You have to probably learn a few uh, phrases in a foreign language. You have to get used to a different kind of bureaucracy. You have to get used to dealing with people on their cultural level and not yours. For a lot of North Americans, that can be a shock. Uh, It's also a slower pace of living, a much more relaxed pace of living. And if you're a type A personality, you're going to have to get over that. You're going to have to learn to be a little patient and handle a daily challenge. Uh, There are obstacles to living abroad, obstacles you've never thought of. If you keep a sense of humor and think of them as interesting challenges rather than obstacles in you enjoying your preferred way of life, you'll be a lot better off. You'll be a much happier expat. I'm I'm ready for this. I've been (laughs) been working with Dave Popwich for 11 years. 
So I have to be patient and expect the unexpected when you it comes. Are, you work at light speed. It would be awesome to watch you in an environment where you needed patience. I have patience. <laughs> I love it. I have patience. Dan, you've often said to us in the past um, that one of the best ways to experience uh, international living without making the financial commitment to leaving your country is to go rent uh, for a period of time and actually immerse yourself in the culture and to see if you can actually, if you will enjoy that experience. Um, give us your comments on on sort of your experience and what you did. That has never been true. I mean, don't it, it, do as I say, not as I do. Susan and I just sold the farm and moved uh, and, and discovered that it was the right thing for us. But there's no reason for anybody else to do that. When you can go to a place, rent it, spend as long there as you possibly can to get a feel for what it's like to really live there. Then follow your gut. If it's the place that you thought it was and you want to spend your retirement there, bang, make make a buying decision or keep renting or rents are cheap. Do do whatever fits into your into your budget. But try before you buy. That just makes sense. Dan, I want to thank you very much for uh, for joining us, kicking off the new year. Right. Uh, Lots of opportunities for people. And boy, when you throw the word budget and sunshine into it, it gets a lot of people's attention. So thanks very much for your time today. Our pleasure, guys. Thank you much. Dan Preshner, Senior Editor, InternationalLiving.com and the International Living Guide to Retiring Overseas on a Budget. Okay, that might be the lifestyle people choose. We've got to figure this out and then how to, how to fund it. It's, the question is, you know, where do we go? How do we get there? What's it going to cost? Mm-hmm. And then when you figure that out, you come back to your, your home, you open up your statements on your portfolio and you go, how am I going to afford this lifestyle for the rest of my life? Mm-hmm. How am I going to be able to do this? Well, you got to have a strategy and a plan. And how do you bulletproof your retirement? We're going to talk about that at our next upcoming seminar Tuesday, January 19th, 7 p.m. live online. You need to go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Stick around after the break and we'll talk about the secret to great investment performance. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Now, what I want to say to people is next year or two years from now, it'll be a different issue issue or set of issues that we're dealing with. There's no, there's no time in history that we're not going to have issues. So here, here's a question that I got in the webinar yeah. that we did last month, or sorry, in the month of November. Here are calls that I'm getting from clients right now saying, in our growth bucket, yeah. the portfolio performance has been fantastic. Right. Double-digit returns, clients are happy, right. and they're wondering, how the heck did that happen? With all the volatility, everything going in every direction possible. Right. What's the secret sauce is what I was asked. Yeah. Well, there isn't a secret sauce. It's a well, there process. Is. It's a process. I would say, yeah, it's, it's, it's data and process. That's uh, the secret. Now, we talk about it at a very high level usually. Yeah. So can we get into it? Can we, yep. can we educate our listeners on how do you actually get good results in times like this? Right. What's the process the secret sauce and why i want i want to address the so process we talk about the different steps but i I want to actually talk about some of the the moves we made as the pandemic was going on and and why what the data was supporting yeah okay because i think what you know we talk about this idea of process all the time Faisal. people may you know you're driving you're not paying attention yeah yeah whatever 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 whatever. but why why do certain things now this is all historical 
and this is all based on this current you know set of circumstances but it will demonstrate i think that no matter what is going on whatever the crisis mm -hmm. there's always opportunity and we saw that in 2015 yeah we saw it this year when there's major volatility, you know I get excited. So let's yeah. kind of walk through the process of what, what needs to be done in a portfolio when you're looking for growth and you have volatility. And the reason why I, I want to spend some time on this, Dave, is because when a person is transitioning to or living in retirement, they are filled with a whole bunch of ideas. Ideas like 100 minus your age equals how much you should have right. in the stock market or just buy good dividend-paying stocks and right. you'll be okay. And right. here's a financial calculation that if you just take our dividend portfolio, you're going to make money. Or that kind of stuff has been, they're getting bombarded with this kind of information. Yeah. And, and, and okay, so let's, I, yes, you're right. And what, what's the right course of, of action? I always talk about, there's, there's sort of four variables. Two of them are superpowers, as I call them, that we can control. Okay? And I'm going to frame it like this. There's the structure and the discipline, and we're going to talk about the discipline today. Perfect. Okay? So those are our superpowers of investors. The factors that we got to uh, um, uh, work within when we're applying the discipline and the structure is the timeline, what's going to happen if it's, you know, markets are down, what's the recovery time, okay? And we've also got this notion of volatility. Beautiful. Okay? So in that context, I want to take people back to, um, let's talk about discipline. I want to go back to June of last year. Okay. okay, because this speaks to volatility, timeline, discipline, all of it. Um, in June of last year, we had made some changes to our growth portfolio based on the economic data that, uh, by reducing the amount of equity exposure we had in our growth portfolio. Yeah. Okay. Now that was based on things like inverted yield curve data, and it was things like slowing manufacturing data. Okay. Housing starts, so Got on it. and so forth. Data. Yep. Now, if you remember what happened in the last half of 2019 is equity markets continued to perform well, which is often the case. It's called a melt-up. Okay? As the data worsens, you get this bit of a melt-up at the, at the end. So this had nothing to do with the pandemic, but the economic data told us that we needed to reduce equity exposure. Okay. And a okay. side note, do you know how many phone calls I got yeah. saying, what the hell are you doing? Right, because we look like dummies because markets kept going up. And we're, we're taking money off the table. Correct. We're putting it into more safer investments Correct. than the equity markets, the stock markets, and the thing keeps on going up. What right. are you doing, Faisal? Selling into the rally. And, and you're right. We got lots of phone calls. You Ooh. guys are dummies. <laughs> okay. I said, okay, we got it, but here's what the economic data is telling us to do. There's a discipline there. Okay. Now we roll into the early part of 2020. Now, we didn't know a pandemic was going to hit, but of course, the pandemic hits in late February. Things start to get really dicey. Mm -hmm. Okay. So as we hit this crisis and it becomes apparent that, you know, things are going to get shut down, what we did is we actually trimmed some more of our equity exposure and our, and our alternative equity exposure um, or alternative trading exposure, and we added a gold position. Correct. Right? To the portfolio. What the heck are you investing in gold for, Faisal? Right. Why add gold? Right? So now we got to go back to the discipline and the data. Okay. So let's kind of go through the data, which will lead to the discipline. We took the, the thesis that there is no government that's going to say, eh, we give up. Right. And we took the data and said every single central banker understood what happened in 2008. Correct. And they're going to put more firepower now yep. at a faster rate than they did in 2008 because they don't want to see that kind of a ramification for right. lack of decision-making process. Right. And so what they did is they, they put their decision-making process on Red Bull. Yep. They went extra fast. They were pushing and pushing. And, and to the point where they said, we're going to securitize everybody. Right. 
Drop rates, Apple print to money. small company. Yeah. We're if you're publicly traded, if you got bonds, whatever, we're gonna pump so much money in here that you're gonna just sit back. Then the federal governments came in and said, We're not gonna allow our citizens to just sit there and not and not have any type of protection. We're gonna pump a whole bunch of money. We call it Serb here in Canada, but we weren't the only country that did that. Right. We saw this coming. Yeah. Well, we had two things happen. You had the monetary policy, which was which was uh, pretty easy to forecast given the response that central banks had in the 0809 crisis. Correct. What we didn't see in 0809 was the fiscal response, the government response. Correct. But let's go back to gold. The data says okay, that um, uh, that as it's called the M2 money supply, the amount of U.S. cash in the system, yep. okay, as it increases, okay, you should see gold price move higher. And certainly with a low interest rate, the carrying cost of gold becomes attractive. So that was, an, uh, that was a piece of a, um, an asset class that we felt would benefit Okay, given the data in the situation that we were in. Now, do you remember? I said, are you sure about gold, Dave? Mm-hmm. And what did you say to me? It's the data. That's right. The data, di- this, this, this dictates the, let me say that again. The yep. data dictates the discipline. Right. And the discipline was, this is the data, put, the part, put a part of the portfolio into gold. And we did. Yeah. Okay. And by the way, we're, none of this should be construed as a recommendation. This, this, this is just exactly. the data that we, were, we want to share with you, the process of why we were doing things that we were doing. There's lots of ways to do this. this is, we just want to say this is how we were doing it and give you some insight into this. It is not a recommendation for anybody. You've got to seek professional advice on anything. Absolutely. And this is all historical moves that we've made. Then came the end of... March, beginning of April, and I said to you, mm-hmm. this is Boxing Day shopping. You did. It doesn't make sense. Right. And let's go through the data. And people were selling everything, yes. thinking the world is coming to an end. Okay. We went shopping. But what did the data tell us? The data told us very clearly that when the S&P 500 falls by 30% or more, if you went back over the previous 12 crises to 1970 and you charted it, what you saw is when the S&P was down by 30% or more, Okay. then the risk started to tilt to the upside. The timeline was still in question, but the, the risk started to tilt Correct. to the upside. Well, then we took the data of what needs to happen in the economy, and we said, okay, look, healthcare, technology, mm-hmm. stay at home, those types of investments are going to do well. So we tilted the portfolio that way. That's how you get double-digit returns in a bad year. Right. That's how you do this type of stuff. We're, and then you got to give me the bond market because we can't – Hold. you got to give it. me my win. Say it. Okay. Uh, the data then told us um, in, uh, in May, uh, we made another change, and it was based on the data that said once uh, biz- the yield on, uh, on high-yield uh, business debt exceeds 800 basis points, or 8%, of the government yields, that there is a historical opportunity to add that to the portfolio, and we made a change based on that data. Here's, here's the moral of the story, because we have less than a minute to go. The moral of the story is to have a discipline, and I, I unfortunately find that there's too many groups out there who are just promoting one strategy, not the ability to move and be tactical. Yes. So just buy growth companies, just buy dividend-paying stocks, just stick with gold, just buy Bitcoin, whatever those just buy right. is wrong. Right. It holds way too much risk. Having a tactical approach using data Discipline, not emotion. Not emotion. Structure That's will right. help you make the money over the long term. Yeah, exactly. And please let me reiterate that nothing we've said here uh, should constitute a recommendation to anybody. Please seek professional advice and understand the discipline and the strategy behind it. Correct. So let's talk about strategy. Let's talk about discipline. It's going to be on our approach on how you bulletproof your retirement on Tuesday, January 19th, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. 
That's morethanmoneyradio.com. All right, well, thanks for joining us for another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. We'll talk to you next week. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.